0: As we come to the Lord's table this first Sunday of the month we note that during these statements that Jesus made in the gospel of John various statements of self-disclosure I am the vine you are the branches I am the I am I am the way the truth and the life I am the good shepherd I am the door I am the gate this morning we turn to I am the bread of life and that is our focus this morning looking into John chapter 6 Two sections of that chapter, listed on page 8. Please follow along. This is God's Word. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming around him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not be enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far, how far will they go among the many? Jesus said, Had the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Then later, verse 32, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. When I was in school, maybe also when you were, we had in the lower grades, particularly in kindergarten, something that I always looked forward to. It was called show and tell. Maybe they still do that. The idea was that you bring something from home, a pet, a toy, a favorite object of some kind, maybe even a parent or a grandmother, you bring it to the class, and you introduce the class to this object or this person, And you describe to the class why this is important to you. And you learn about one another this way. You find out uh, a little more about who this person is as they show you what they brought and they tell you what it means. Jesus here, again, is showing who he is and telling us who he is. He doesn't need an object lesson, but in this case, he's using the bread to illustrate important points. We have seen him say he was the good shepherd, that he was the gate or the door. We have seen him say that he was the vine and we are the branches. This miracle is one of his most famous. This is the one that people mention probably, certainly in the top three to five of the miracles that Jesus performed when he was on the earth. Walking on the water, rising from the dead, feeding the 5,000, those are the big three really, that are most popularly reminded. And it it is an impressive thing, for the people have been out in the countryside, they've made no real provision for food, they've come out hungrily, as it were, to hear the word of God from this new Nazarene preacher, and it's time to eat. People are getting hungry. The disciples acknowledge it, they feel it as well, and now they see they have an enormous problem. What are we going to do about this? We have to eat. And there's so many of us that it would be impossible for all of them to be fed based on what we can see around us. There's not enough food here. No way. Jesus turns the question back upon them and says, You solve it. What do you suggest? How are we going to fix this? And as it says in the the gospel, he knew what he was going to do, but he placed the situation back on them, trying to engage them, feeling the weight of what was about to happen. Well, they said, don't ask us. Don't look here. We don't have the money. We don't have the food. Somebody would have to go get a large quantity of food with a large quantity of money to feed all these people. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Jesus said, have them sit down. And he has this little boy's bread and fish, and he distributes it. And it just keeps being extended and extended and extended among the people. They continue to eat and eat. They're full. The little children, the teenagers, the adults, all of them completely fed, satiated had all they wanted. And those who were distributing the food had the happy problem of leftovers. There was a lot left, more abundant than even had been distributed. Twelve baskets full. Terrific. Very impressive. And so when we come to a little later in this passage, essentially what the crowd is saying there in, in verse 34 is, Do it again. After all, we've got to keep eating. We have to continue to satisfy our needs not only today but tomorrow. Sir, give us this bread. Continue to show us your power. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. I am the bread of life, verse 35. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. This miracle is designed not just to feed us physically and spiritually, but to get us to thinking. What kind of person did this? This is a show and tell moment for Jesus in which he demonstrates, gives us, pulls back the curtain just a little bit, and demonstrates and shows us who he really is. And what his power is really like. Just as Moses fed the Israelites in the wilderness through the manna, now as the Messiah, he's going to feed them. But they want ongoing bread. They want this to be repeated. Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. And while it's true we have another instance of him feeding the 4,000, we don't see any other examples of them in the Bible of him just feeding folks, just continuing to feed them like a gigantic restaurant or a gigantic place of distribution of food. He says, I am the miracle. I am what you see. Let's look into that a little bit. I want you to look at me, he says, not just my miracles. The Messiah is not just a wonder worker. He is one who's come to to do the greatest of all miracles. So look at him. Read the story. Jesus says, it's me who is the focus of these things, not the bread. You were hungry, I fed you. That led you to think that I could do amazing things with the bread that led you to focus on the material, but you miss something. You're missing me. You're missing the one who has done these things and who has come to be bread for you. So on the top of page 9, the miracle for the body is that this miracle shows that the kingdom of God will, will shape not only our minds, but also the way we live. He wants to shape more, he he wants to do more than impress us. This miracle, for those who were there, was amazing. But in some ways, it was subtle. The extension of the food among the crowd happened gradually (coughs) over time. And unless you were really looking closely, maybe one distributing the food, you might not have noticed where the food came from or how it was being extended out. You might have missed, in other words, what was really going on. And it is so important, Jesus says, for you not to miss that. Not to look at the bread, but to look at who is giving it to you and who is the bread of life. This reminds us in the second bullet there that if the main point of his miracles was to show us how great and powerful he was... He could have done a much better job. They were impressed with all this food that came back. They were all hungry. They were all glad. They wanted to be fed again, but they weren't exactly just wowed. I mean, there wasn't just this sort of superhero encounter where somebody does something so amazing. Uh, He could have, uh, for example, just flown to Rome or to Jerusalem, just taken off like a rocket. And wowed him and whizzed around in the air. I mean, use your imagination. He could have thrown a fireball at a tree and said, See that tree over there? Pow! Jump back. Amazing. What's he doing? He can do anything. Reminds me of the Incredibles. Reminds me of these, super, these Marvel superheroes. Reminds me of Captain America. But he didn't do that. His miracles are not like that at all. We want to be amazed. We want to be impressed. We want to be blown away by some fantastic exposition or exhibition. But his miracles point to himself and to something deeper. The miracles that Jesus performed are not mere demonstrations of his raw power, as I say, they are signs of what he came to use his power to do, they're signs of his mission of the nature of what he came to do. I didn't come just to impress you. I didn't even come just to feed you. I came to show you who I am, the one who can feed you and make you thirst no more, from the inside out. I'm not a a well in that sense. I'm not bread in that sense of, of just giving you physical food I'm something more. This miracle, as his others, are signs of his mission and of the nature of what he came to do. None of his miracles were given to show only how powerful he was. Nearly every miracle was an assault on destruction and devastation. He healed the blind, devastated by disease. He raised the dead, held in the grip of death. He cured the lepers. He fed the hungry. These are restorative acts. He is healing here. We we are in a broken world without enough food, without enough financial means, without enough preparation, without enough time. And he's come as Messiah to change that. None of his miracles, as I say, were given to show only how powerful he was. Nearly every miracle was an assault on the destruction and devastation caused by sin. His miracles point primarily not to the suspension of the natural order, but a temporary restoration of it, of Eden and of a future new creation that he has come to restore. So most of his miracles, not all of them, but most of his miracles move in this direction, and this one does too. We are broken by hunger and poverty. By not enough time and not enough food and not enough of everything, I have come to restore what was lost in Eden. But then we read later in the chapter, in a passage which I hadn't included in the text this morning, that after he had done all this, And after he had explained to his disciples his purposes in in these things, the response is rather concerning. The Bible says, on hearing it, verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then verse 66, from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. What were the reasons? Maybe many, many and varied, but certainly among them was the idea that he's not going to just keep doing these amazing food-feeding miracles. He's not going to just continue to put bread in our stomachs and wine in our throats. He's interested in something else, and we, we aren't. We're interested in other things, and so many left him. What Jesus is teaching is so overwhelming that unless you have divine help, you will be offended and you will leave. He's saying something that's so overwhelming and amazing. about Not that I have come to give you bread, but I am the bread. I am the miracle. I am the one who is behind these things. They don't want that. They want the goodies. They want... The benefits, they don't want him. That's the problem. We want God to give us what we want. But we don't want just him. We want to receive from him. We want to be cared for and comforted by him. We want to be sustained by him. But we don't just want him. I am the bread of life. Look to me and you will be fed, he says. Instead of these loaves and fishes over here in the baskets, look to me and I will satisfy you. And so why? And what is he saying? Everyone has a spiritual hunger. Beneath our physical hunger lies a spiritual one. Put him there. Nothing else. For nothing else will satisfy our true hunger. We eat and we eat and we eat and we're hungry again. But he is the one who will feed us in such a way that we will be sustained, nourished over time. We will no longer hunger deeply again. He's not saying, I have the bread of life and I will give it to you. He is saying, I am the bread of life. This is utterly unique. Some would say egocentric. He says, I, me, and my, 17 times in these verses here, just the six verses of 34 through 40. Most people who talk that much about themselves never amount to anything. But he amounts to greatness because he used his gifts for us. He gave himself for us. I am I'm the bread of life. I don't exist just for myself. I exist to feed you. And I want you to be fed. And I want to give you of myself. No, I don't want to just give you the goodies and the food and the baskets of fish, but I want to give you myself. I want to offer my presence, my sustaining power, my comfort and my friendship now and always into the future. So in the final bullet there on page 9, he is saying, I will give you life. I'm not going to show you the way to life, not going to give you a life guidebook or a set of rules. You're getting life. I'm broken. I, I'm broken like the bread is broken. Then you and I can live. I'm not just someone who comes to show you what to do. But because of my brokenness, I am actually done everything you need to do before God. So you, you need to do before God so you, He can accept Him. God accepts you. This is what your heart longs for. And he gives it to you as he gives us our bread. He gives us someone to worship. Someone to trust. He knows that our need to be amazed is much less important than our need to be fed. He knows that our interest in the superheroes and all the marvelous things they do for humanity like Spider-Man and Captain America and all the rest is only superficial. Appreciated, but not deep. Not life-changing. Thank you for saving my life from from the ridge-collapsing Spider-Man, but what have you done for my soul? Jesus says, I will feed your soul. That is my primary interest And that is why I have come. Now some will turn away. And we may for a time, like the rich young ruler, say, no, this this isn't what I want. I want the stuff. I want to feel good. I want to have things. I want to have what other people have. And some will turn away. But isn't the message of this passage, don't do that. Jesus says, will you also turn away to the disciples there at the end of the chapter? And they say, where shall we go? For you have the words of life. That's what they could see on this this occasion when their insight was especially keen. They could see that it wasn't about the bread. And it wasn't about the fish. And it wasn't about the things that he would be bringing to them. It was about his word and who he was. So when he says, I am the bread of life, he means it. Like Philip, we are powerless over our problems. They're too big for us. How are we going to feed all these people? But when you admit it, Jesus begins to work miracles. He begins to do his grace in our lives. Don't point to your record, point to his. He says, let me be the bread. Let me be feeding you. You're striving to feed your family. You're striving to to provide enough for yourself and your family in this world. Let's begin not there, he says. Let's begin and look deeper. I'll take care of these other things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Come first to the bread of life, not to the baskets of loaves and fish. Come first to me, come first to who I am, come first to my love and work for you, and I will take you, I will provide for you, abundantly beyond, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, the apostle says. So we have it backwards. We want the stuff, we'll take you after we get what we want. Jesus says, no, that's backwards. That's the cart before the horse. Come and find me. Let me feed you. Let me be your daily bread. And these other things will take their proper place. And I will provide them for you. And you can have them. It's really quite simple. We want stuff first. He says, you want me first. Those things cannot satisfy, he says. I can So, make him your life. Bread is fundamental to nourishment, to feeding. All over the world, bread forms a staple of the diet of human beings. It is foundational to what we have to eat in various forms. I want to be that foundation, he says. Not of your diet of your life. I want to be that Lord and Savior. Quit looking for the other things. Which brings us then to the table and to the two elements there found. The cup and the bread. The bread has many purposes there It reminds us of, as he said here, the the manna that was provided in the wilderness when the people had no means of caring for themselves, no way to plow fields, no way to reap and to sow, and no way to make bread. He provided it on a daily basis, twice enough for the Sabbath day, until they entered the promised land. Everything they needed was cared for, particularly when they sought him as their nourishment. In the same way, he has provided the bread from heaven to us, not manna, but Jesus himself, and that bread is more than enough for what we need. Day by day, he sustains us in life. Day by day, he helps us emotionally, physically, spiritually. Day by day, he is that foundation But that foundation, sure as it is, was broken once. And as the bread is broken at the table, we are reminded that he was broken for us. That his life, strong as it was, faithful and good and pure as it was, nevertheless was given away. In a death he did not deserve to die. For someone who did. That bread is a picture of what he did. He doesn't say, there's not enough bread here to feed you. It's not about physical nourishment. It's about the fundamental relationship between a person and their Savior. A fundamental, deep, and abiding relationship that only he can initiate and sustain. I want to be for you, your Savior and your Lord. I want to not only be broken at the cross, but I want to sustain you through life. So do this in remembrance of me until I come back. This is to be the sustaining miracle of the cross until his return. This bread, as the disciples said, Lord, evermore give us this bread. They were thinking in terms of do that again we're saying yes do that again but we understand now what you mean sustain me help me i need you the fundamental attitude of the heart as we come to the table is one of need eagerness and desire the ceremony itself is common we know the, we know the, we know how it goes but he has said you don't need the ceremony You need me, and I will feed you now and forever. I will give you myself to sustain you through all of the trials that you face. Some will say, well, I wasn't looking for that. Oh, yes, you were. Deep down, we all need a friend who will not abandon us, With whom we can go through the valley of the shadow of death, who will be there no matter what, never leaving nor forsaking us, we all need that. And that is what he's offering. So seek first my kingdom and its righteousness, and all this other bread will be added to you. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. That can't be true in a physical sense, because we get hungry every day, thirsty every day. He's not saying that we will never have these physical desires ever again. He's saying, I will feed you deeply. I will give you what you need. I am the bread that you are seeking. Come to me. Seek my kingdom. Let me feed you. As we come to the table now. We do so with great joy, for he is the bread of life. Let us pray. In these moments together, O Lord, we are grateful for the reminder of the upper room. We weren't there, but we can see in our mind's eye that the disciples gathered around the table and Jesus there among them with the unleavened bread, the symbol of the manna in the wilderness. And then his breaking it and distributing it to them and saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. What a glorious moment it was. And a grand preparation for the hours to follow. In the same way, as we gather around the table today, we pray that we might see the glory of the bread of heaven and be drawn near to him again, remembering that only he can satisfy and that only he can truly meet our deepest needs. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for not just wowing us with your powers, which are far greater than all the superheroes put together, but you showed and told who You told who you really were when you said, I am the bread of life. You are our bread. Lord, sustain us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. In response to the preached word of God and in preparation for communion, we now stand and sing hymn number 498, Jesus, what a friend for sinners.